You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. I've uh, uh, personally invited our original youth pastor from Victory Alabang uh, to share the word uh, for us. For those of you who don't know Pastor Boyet, Jose, Pastor Boyet, uh, and his wife, Michi. Um, Michi was actually one of the singers here earlier together with Pastor Sol and Lucci. Both of them uh, helped plant this church uh, in uh, back in 98. And uh, Pastor Boyet happens to be uh, my classmate in the School of World Mission. Uh, we were in the row four. Magulo kami nun, okay? But we finished, uh, praise God, we finished the school. And um, right after the, the graduation, uh, God called them to go to uh, California uh, to be part of a church called Charisma Life, and they're now serving as the youth and adult pastor there. We're still praying for there to come for them to come back here. Uh, you know, the the doors are still open here. Okay, just in case uh, God speaks through an angelic voice this Christmas, just like Joseph, uh, we're open for you and your family here. Actually, uh, Rika, their eldest daughter, happens to be here, part of this church, because last year they brought her here to study uh, in one of the local uh, uh, colleges here in the south. Uh, and Isaiah is actually there still in, in California. So they're like, you know, half and half. Their heart is here, but yeah. So, um, you know, it's really a privilege and an honor for us to be able to hear the word from Pastor Boyet. And, you know, if you hear the heart of this man, I believe that God really has a word and a deposit for all of us as a church. Uh, you know, this happens to be a great uh, character, uh, not just Pastor Boyet, but this character in the Bible that we're going to be talking about. This man who's called to obey God despite the circumstance. So why don't we all welcome with the Victory Alabang welcome, Pastor Boyet Jose. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Usually when uh, I speak, I always start with this. And I know it's old for some people, but I want you to look at your neighbor and passionately look at them in the eye right now. Just look at your neighbor and say to them, okay. Passionately look them straight in the eye and say this. Salamat sa Diyos. Walang passion. Walang passion. Sabihin nyo, salamat sa Diyos. At hindi kita kamukha. Ayan. Okay, thank you. Ibang tuwantua yung iba, oh. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, I'm really thankful to God that I'm here today. It's really a privilege and a blessing. You know, every time I think about this church, this is a home away from home. You know, a long time ago, in 1998. Man, in 1998. That was a long time ago. And, uh, you know, uh, Pastor Saul, Lucci, good friends of ours, you know, Yang and Michelle, you know, we were the young adults then. Married, young, young adults, right? I think, yeah, okay. And, um, and remember seeing the church at its infant stage. And we were praying for a mighty move of God with Pastor Jojo Henson and, and Ida. It was really a wonderful time in God's presence. I grew in my faith. God, during that time, I was not even, you know, hoping or desiring to become a pastor. I wanted to become a businessman slash minister, drummer, rock star. Yeah, that's... That's my, I feel like my calling in life. But what happened is that, you know, when, when you really fully obey God, God has different plans, amen. And, um, and, and lo and behold, you know, I'll tell the story later. God called, and when God called, you have to listen. And when you listen, you obey. And when you obey, 
you start to see things happen in your life. Things that you don't even think about or even imagine far beyond you and yourself. Because you will realize that life is not about us, but life is all about Him. Once we learn and understand that, then you'll find purpose and meaning in life. You know, I'm really grateful for Pastor Ariel and Sister Shirley. They have supported us. They have really blessed us so much. And I thank God for his life because I remember when we left for the States and they were looking for, you know, the one that will be heading the Alabang uh, movement or church. I say movement. I can, I can safely say that, right? No, no, not really. Okay, Alabang church. Uh, and, and then they asked, they, you know, Pastor Steve asked me, you know, Pastor Boyd, what do you think? These three pastors. And the first thing that came out of my mouth, and I know it was from God, he said, Pastor Ariel. Because he was a man of character. You know, we were at the back, even though we are at the seat of mockers. No, I'm just, we're not mocking, but we were at the back in our VLI school. And, and uh, it was just a wonderful time in God's presence. And I honor you, Pastor Ariel. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you. Thank you. You have a wonderful pastor here. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now with the Word of God. It's just a wonderful time. Uh, last week I was here. And I heard Pastor Ariel speak about the life of Mary. How many enjoyed that preaching last week? Powerful, powerful. You know, learning about uh, trusting in God in spite of the difficult circumstances that Mary went through. Today we're going to look at the life of Joseph. I love the series of messages that is lined up for us for the month of December under the title Hark. Hark comes from the archaic verb hearken, which means to listen, to lend ear, to attend what is uttered with eagerness and curiosity. To attend, to regard, to give heed to what is uttered. Look at this one. To observe or obey. That is why in Deuteronomy 4, chap, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 1, the Bible tells us, and this is in the King James Version. It won't be shown in the screen, but let me read it for you. Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments will I, which I teach you, for to them... That ye may live. The word hark, when the word hark is used in scripture, it is strongly encouraging us not only to listen to God's word, but to listen with the intent and the desire to obey. Which I believe it is appropriate because especially during this Christmas season, as Pastor Ariel said last week, you know, we are so distracted with a lot of things. Christmas shopping, distracted with that, right? How about Christmas repacking? You are repacking the old Christmas gifts from last year. And then you are sending it to a different person. Hopefully, it's not the same person that gave you that gift. How many of you happened that before? Okay, it's only me. But anyways, okay. Uh, Christmas uh, food. I mean, I've been here for two weeks. The parking. Christmas parking. It's hard to find parking everywhere. It's crazy. And the one that I, you know, we are so um, uh, distracted with Christmas bells. You always hear the things that's happening. And finally, I know that you will always, all, all of you will agree with me that after Christmas, you will be encountering what I call Christmas bills. <laughs> that you have to pay for everything that you have purchased this year. Because of the busyness of the season, we tend to lose focus on what the true message of Christmas really is. Which is Jesus, the Son of God, came to earth through the virgin birth, which is a miracle. And it will never happen again. Only one time. So don't claim that you'll be married, okay? And cover up your pregnancy. I'm just joking. But anyways, okay. He did, not, he did not remain as a baby 
But he grew up, Jesus, and became a man, holy and sinless. And because of his love for us, he died for our sins on the cross, which was his mission. And on the third day, he rose from the dead to let us know that he defeated death. And by having faith in him, we have hope of eternal life, which is our message today, personally. Amen? You know, there was this funny story about a church in a small town. Not a true story, but a funny story. Uh, that one Sunday during their service, Satan appeared on stage. See, Satan. Okay? When the congregation saw him, everyone started to scream, running from the front door to trampling on each other in a frantic uh, you know, escape because they were so afraid of this entity named Satan. Soon everyone was gone. Even the pastor walked away. And the only one that was left was this, was this elderly woman in the front. And Satan marveled and, and walked up to her and said to her something like this. Uh, Don't you know who I am? The woman replied, yep, sure do. Satan replied, aren't you going to run? Nope, sure ain't said the woman. Satan asked, so why aren't you afraid of me? The woman replied, well, I've been married to your brother for over 48 years. (laughs) I know this is a funny story, but all of us married people can agree that we don't want our spouse to feel like they're married to Satan's brother or sister. The reason why I told this story in relation to the message is to share to you that to eagerly listen to God and passionately obey His will and guidance for our lives can bring us to a place of healing, whether physical, emotional, or in our relationships. It can also bring us to a place of deliverance from fear, from unforgiveness, from bitterness. It can also bring us to a place of what I call purpose, knowing and understanding that life is not about us, but it's all about God. And in knowing this, it will challenge our our challenge and even change our outlook in life, changing our attitude and behavior, even in the midst of a very difficult and challenging situation, so that our spouse won't feel that he or she is married to the brother or sister of Satan. Look at your neighbor and say, who's your brother, who's your sister? Come on, I'm just joking, okay. <laughs> I'll look at this one, listen to this. When I say, listen to this. A lot of people are very good in listening, Agree? As long as what is being said is something that they want to hear. But when what is being said is something that they need to hear, especially when it comes from Scripture, and it is addressing the wrong attitudes, questionable decisions, or destructive habits, they are more inclined to turn a deaf ear or a quick or make a quick excuse. I've learned this in life, that the person who always makes excuses will never experience the positive change that God wants them to do in their lives. And they will tend to blame others' circumstance and situation for their failures. We're very good in listening as long as we like what we're hearing. But when the Word of God speaks to us so powerfully through a person or through a man of God or through a devotion or through a leader in the church, and you know for a fact it's from God, And if you still make excuses, and if you still make excuses of not obeying God because you are so uncomfortable and so difficult, please do not expect change. Please do not expect that things will be better in your life. 
Please do not expect that God will be on your side in those situations because the only time that we can really experience the blessing and the gift that God wants to be upon our lives is when we are not against Him, but we are for Him. Amen? Our main text for this morning is this. It's Matthew 1, verse 18 to 27. Let me read it for you. Matthew 1, verse 18 to 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife but knew her not until she had given birth to a son and called his name Jesus. Let's just bow down our heads and pray. Father, we thank you for this amazing day that you've given us. Lord, give us ears to hear. Give us an open mind. And give us a heart to obey you 100%. May your spirit dwell in us. May your spirit enlighten us. That we may receive from you what you want to give us this morning. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may take your seat. Amen. The first thing that we need to know about Joseph, according to Scripture, is this, right? Because the first question we need to ask is this. Who is Joseph? For us to set up the message, we need to know who the person is. So who is Joseph? That's the first question. Although there is not that much information given about his life in the Gospels, there is enough in the Bible reveals about his life. That we can see that he is a man of character, faith, and has a strong devotion to God, family, and society. The first thing we need to know about Joseph is that he belonged to a very important and royal pedigree. You know, Pastor Ariel alluded to this last week. That he came from the line of David. That's why when you read scripture, especially the book of Matthew, Matthew was careful enough to really put the genealogy of Jesus Christ right there because his main audience were Jewish people. For him to establish Jesus being the Messiah and the Son of God, he need to let the Jewish readers know that, hey, he's the one who's going to fulfill the prophecy made from the book of Isaiah. That he came from the line of David. That's why if you look at the first chapter of the book of Matthew, it's like, you know, first time I was reading the Bible, why did he had to put the genealogy of it doesn't make sense to me i'm filipino i'm not jewish for for us filipinos it doesn't really make sense but for the people who were reading the gospels during that time for the first time and they were of jewish descent it made sense to them because matthew was trying to establish to those readers that hey this is the son of god he came from the line of david jesus is the fulfillment of the promise amen so that's the first thing it's very important for us that he came from an important and royal 
pedigree. Parang dito sa atin sa Pilipinas, di ba? Pag may sikat tayong lolo, ano sabihin natin? Wala ka sa lolo ko. Eh, yung lolo mo. Di ba? I mean, labanan na ganun. If you think about it, it was just like that. He, Matthew was really, 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 you know, emphasizing this because it was very, very important. Second thing about Joseph is this. We can also assume that according to the traditions and culture during Jesus' time, most scholars believe that Joseph was about 25 years old when, Ma- when Mary was betrothed to him. And Mary was about 14 to 16 years old. Imagine 14 to 16 years old. But that was the culture during that time. And as we learned in the previous Sunday, you know what Pastor Elia said, betrothal is a practice customary to the Jews before the actual wedding which was practiced by Joseph and Mary. Betrothal is a binding agreement between the bride and the groom who were considered as man and wife in all legal and religious aspects except that of an actual cohabitation or any sexual relations. Right? So in other words, yeah, they're like married people already, but no sex. You know, it was that waiting period. This agreement was so binding that according to the rabbinical law, betrothal is equivalent to an actual marriage and only to be dissolved by a form of divorce. This is why when Joseph found Mary to be with child during the betrothal period, he was considering divorcing her quietly. You know, the, inter- the interval between betrothal and the marriage ceremony was, un- was of uncertain neck. They didn't really know, especially during the old times. But, um, but during Jesus' time, you know, some scholars believe that the betrothal period was about a year, a whole year during Jesus' time. So imagine this, that, you know, before they actually you know, consummate the full effect of marriage, they have to wait for that one year. Some people say, or some scholars or some commentaries will say that the reason why they did this is so that they can actually talk about, you know, what will happen to the family business. Uh, some people say, or some commentary says that, that it was actually a waiting period to make sure that the wife or the wife-to-be was actually a virgin. That's why it took a year, right? So if you think about this, uh, this is the situation when what happened to Joseph and Mary. We can also safely assume that that Joseph died before the crucifixion of Jesus because towards the last three years of Jesus' life, Joseph was not even mentioned in in any of the gospel writings. And at the foot of her cross, it was only the two Marys and Joe and John the Beloved that was there. As far as Joseph's character is concerned, in Matthew 1.19, the Bible tells us that Joseph was a just man. Say, say to your neighbor, say that Joseph was a just man. Amen. The word just in the original Greek is the word dikaios. Hopefully, I'm pronouncing it. Okay, which means upright, blameless, righteous. Look at this one. Conforming to God's law and man's. In other words, he was a man devoted in obeying God's law and the law of the land. He was devoted to his wife Mary, that when he found out that Mary was with child, did not want to subject her to public humiliation and judgment, that he was planning to divorce her quietly. Do you know that Joseph, even before the revelation from the angel, was a very righteous and just person? Because he really showed mercy to Mary. Imagine Mary going to Joseph and saying, Joseph, pregi. What? You know, I mean, who touched you? Hindi naman tayo nag-sex. Wala naman tayong ginawa. Hindi naman kita tinabihan. Tapos nabuntis ka. 
I don't know how the conversation went, but you know, the Bible is silent about this, but we can assume that actually Mary spoke to Joseph. And, the, and he checked this out. Mary took a chance because Mary knew that if you say that you are with child in the betrothal, that was considered as adultery. And people who commit adultery during that time were stoned to death. So imagine the situation, the scenario. But because Joseph was a just man, he was a righteous man, even before the revelation from the angel came, he was already merciful towards uh, Mary and did not want to expose her or even humiliate her. You know, divorce is, 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 is such a hurtful situation for families. You know, I came from a divorced family. My, my mom and my dad separated when I was seven years old. It, it, it's hurtful. Imagine at seven years old, people asking you or there were lawyers around you and they ask you the question from the, young, from the eldest to the youngest. I was the youngest and the cutest. I'm just joking. Uh, and ask question, mommy or daddy? Mommy or daddy? Imagine at seven years old, asking you to choose. And it was not even my fault that they separated. That's why to me, adultery, immorality, I have a passion of hatred towards it because it destroys people's lives. It destroys children. It destroys relationship between husband and wife. It destroys families. It destroys a church. That's why to me, every time that I look at the life of Joseph and, and saw how he responded to Mary, even though Mary did not commit adultery whatsoever, he, she did not do anything wrong. But in the sight of man, in his own eyes, because he did not have the revelation from the angel yet, what did you do? If he was an emotional guy, he would drag Mary out of the street and say, Stone her! But he chose not to. Amen? So what lessons could we learn from the life of Joseph? He was, he was already a good man, a just man, right? Look at this one. What lessons could we learn from the life of Joseph? Okay, Number one, listen to this, very important. His obedience was immediate. Look at your neighbor and say, his obedience was immediate. <laughs> Amen. Look at Matthew 1, verse 24 to 25. Let me read it to you again. Look at this. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Someone once said that delayed obedience is disobedience. Unlike Zechariah and Mary, who posted the question after the revelation from the angel, Joseph, after waking up from the dream or from the revelation from the angel, he did as the angel commanded and took his wife. No questions was uttered. He just simply obeyed. I believe that the reason why Joseph obeyed God immediately because he trusted God wholeheartedly. Let me repeat what I say. The reason why Joseph obeyed God immediately because he trusted God wholeheartedly. Being a man devoted to God, what contributed to his immediate obedience to God's command, I believe, is that he knew scripture because he was devoted to God, right? He knew about the prophecies about the coming Messiah mentioned in the book of Isaiah. We can also see in the other gospels after the birth of Jesus that Joseph led his whole family in the area of worship, 
by going to the temple on a yearly basis to offer worship and sacrifices. So you can see already the character of Joseph here. His obedience, check this out. His obedience to God was not founded on feelings, emotions, or selfish motivations. But it was founded on God's word, promises, and His commands. A lot of people say, oh, well, I obey God. Are you sure? Are you obeying God? Or are you just obeying yourself? A lot of people, you know, if, if Peter, you remember with Peter in the water? And, you know, what happened? The storm, right? And then he saw Jesus, right? And then the, there's a wind and the wave and everything like that. And then what did, uh, what did, uh, what did Peter say? Lord, is that you? And then, and then Jesus said, yeah, it is I. If it is you, can you please call me out of the boat? You see, before Peter went out of the boat, he wanted to hear the Lord's command first when Jesus said, come. And that's the only time that he went out of the boat. The problem with us today is this, because we have selfish motivation. We think that the one calling us to obey certain things is God, but it's actually our own voice. Before you do something, before you make a decision, make sure that it's Jesus the one calling you. Make sure it's Jesus. Amen? So his obedience was immediate. Joseph's obedience had a point of reference. The dream and the vision from the, the angel was just a confirmation of what was already revealed in Scripture. Uh, so my encouragement for us today is this, so that we can grow in obeying God immediately. How many of you want to grow in your obedience to God? I want to, right? Okay, let me just give you some encouragement. Number one, let us grow in our relationship with God by intentionally seeking Him through reading and studying God's Word. I know it's basic. Reading God's Word is basic, but it's essential. You know, the way that we can know our Heavenly Father is by talking to Him, right? How many of you know this, that even though that me and Ariel, Pastor Ariel, would stay in the room for three years. But if we just look each other in the eye and we don't talk, we will not know each other even though we are in the same vicinity. We need to communicate. It's not about where you are. It's the quality time that you spend with that person, that you can get to know that person. Right? So for us to really know who Christ is, for us to grow in our obedience towards God and our trust in Him, we need to intentionally study God's Word on a daily basis. Number two, grow in your prayer life by praying prayers that are Christ-centered instead of self-centered prayers for His will to be done upon your life and not yours. Always remember this. What God wants for you is the best for you whether you agree with Him or not. We will only see what's in front of us. You know, the reason why God is trustworthy because we only see what's in front of us. But God sees the big picture. That's why He is trustworthy. You know, sometimes when in my own prayer life, I actually, in my own prayer life, what I do now is more of praying for His will to be done upon my life. You know, I, I stop asking for what I want because I realize that, hey, let me just cut it short. Let me go to the source. Okay, God, you know what's best for me. What do you want for my life? I want to do your will. Not my will, but yours be done. His obedience to God was immediate. Number two point. His obedience was unconditional. Look at your neighbor and say, His obedience was unconditional. Amen. Look at Matthew 1, verse 20 to 25. Let me read this whole scripture. I know it's, it's, we read it again, but I want, to, I want to prove a point later. Look at this one. Matthew 1, verse 20 to 25. 
But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear and take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and, she'll, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Look at verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son and called his name Jesus. In spite of the uncertainty and the difficulty of God's, God's command to take Mary as his wife and to raise the child she was carrying. Number one, look at this one. Joseph did not question God. He never did. The Bible is silent about it. Number two, Joseph did not complain. You know, I believe that the reason why Joseph obeyed God unconditionally in spite of the difficulty is because he focused more on the purpose and the promise that will be fulfilled in obeying God's command. Did you hear what I say? He was focused more on the purpose and the promise that will be fulfilled in obeying God's command. Sometimes it's really hard to obey God because He's asking us to do something that is beyond us or it's hard to obey. You know, it's hard to really obey God because there are things that He's asking us that goes against our very will and our very desires. But we need to trust Him that He knows what He's doing because like what I said earlier, He sees the big picture. We only see what's in front of us. He knows the, you know, the consequence or He knows the results of the decisions that we will make in life. Look at this. Look at the purpose and the promise which is found in Matthew 20, verse 23. The promise and the purpose was revealed in this. He said... But he considered these things. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear and take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Check this out. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place, for the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. See, you have to understand this. Joseph, I believe with all my heart, was a learned man. I, I think he knew, he, although he was a carpenter, but I believe because of he's a just and a righteous man. I mean, he was really constant, maybe going to the temple uh, or the local synagogue. He would go there and learn and study about scripture. And I believe that he knew about this prophecy. And he knew that this prophecy was being fulfilled through him. So when he learned about these things, he did not question God whatsoever. Amen. See, look at this one. Obeying God sometimes may be uncomfortable. Amen? And even sometimes it may hurt because it goes against with our own desires and wants. But God, check this out. But God will not ask us to do something where His grace and His love will not only sustain us, but will cause us to overcome and affect not only our own personal lives, but also the life of others. Even Jesus himself struggled in obeying his father. Please do not get discouraged. Even Jesus himself struggled in obeying his father. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane before the crucifixion? What did he say? Father, please, if you can let this cup pass by me, but not my will, but yours be done. You know, I, I believe that the writer was very faithful in letting us know that Jesus himself struggled in obeying his father. 
Because every time that we struggle in obeying our Father, He understands us. Every time that we are struggling to obey what God wants us to do, He understands us. So that we can call upon Him and ask for grace and strength. So God, I cannot do this. Please help me. If you do not move on my behalf, if you do not help me through this time, if you do not give me the grace to obey you or follow you, I cannot do this. You kind of like what you're saying, like what, what you're saying, you know, uh, what Jesus said. Father, if you can let this cup pass by me, but not my will, but yours be done. What kept Jesus on the cross was his love for us. Say amen to that. And he was focused on fulfilling his purpose because the price is us. He was focused in fulfilling his purpose. Let me say this to you. Your life may not be perfect, but you are perfectly loved by God. Your life may not be perfect, but you are perfectly loved by God. So when God asks you to do something, please, even though it's hard, follow Him. You know, I was, once, my wife and I were in this situation before. And um, it was difficult for us because maybe in the seventh year of our marriage, you know, we almost separated. We did. You know, I'll be honest with you. I'm saying this as a testimony because we overcame big time. How many of you don't go through? Uh, how many married people? Raise up your hand. Married people. Yeah. How many of you, your husband and wife, you have a perfect marriage? Yes, raise up your hand. See, oh, yes. I mean, even us as pastors, even though we read God's word on a daily basis and stuff like that, you know, I'm not perfect, you know, unless if your name is perfecto. But, you know what I'm saying? Nothing like that. So my wife and I, you know, we being busy in the ministry, doing this and that, and it was difficult. You know, I neglected her. She neglected me. You know, we were not really in the same page during that time. And there was one time, I remember I was in the States, and, and um, you know, you kind of said, you know, we just call it quits. Just, just end this. Mind you, I was a pastor. Let's just end this. And I remember leaving, and I was, you know, before when I was younger, I used to drink a lot. I was, you know, with my friend Kampoy there. We were expert sinners. So, um, <laughs> Uh, but anyways, we used to drink a lot. And, 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 and I remember because I was so much in pain that I really want to cover up my pain with, you know, to go back to my old ways. And I remember I was in the car and I was in front of 7-Eleven. And, 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 and I, I wanted to go down and just go back to my old lifestyle. But there's something in me that said, you know what? Obey God even when it hurts. Obey God even when it's uncomfortable. Because it is in those times that if you choose to respond the way God wants you to respond, believe me when I say this, you will grow in your relationship with God like never before. You will experience His grace like never before. You will know and understand what it means to survive. Not only to survive, but to overcome. And then you will realize that God can use your junk and make it a joy not only for yourselves, but for the joy of others. Because when the people see you overcome through difficult times, they'll be encouraged and they will want what, what, what to happen to you. That you can overcome. Amen. So if you are in a difficult situation right now, whether in your marriage, in your family, with your kids, my advice to you is this. Do not give up. Allow the word of God to dominate in your heart. Don't let your emotions make the decision for you. 
Amen? Because if you allow the decisions, if you allow the emotions to make the decisions for you, it's just a matter of time that you'll regret it. How many of you know this? That emotions comes and goes. But what lasts and what remains is God's word being obeyed in a person's life. And that will make a lasting effect, not only in your own life, but in the future generations. Amen? Praise God. So your decision today really matters. How you act today will determine not only your own future, but the future of your children's children. Lastly is this, and I'm done. His obedience is, was complete. Look at your name and say, his obedience was complete. Okay, thank you. I have to reserve my voice because there's four more, three more. I got excited, sorry. Okay, but anyway, here we go. Look at uh, Matthew 1, verse 24 to 25. When Joseph, when Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Joseph showed his complete obedience to God by this. Number one, supporting Mary's pregnancy, even if it didn't make sense. He supported, right? He supported Mary's pregnancy. Imagine you as a father... You know that your wife is pregnant and you know that's not your child? Wow. But because you are obedient towards God, you still supported what you know for a fact that was not yours. Number two, Joseph, you know, um, showed his complete obedience to God by taking Mary as his wife. I say amen to that, right? So he never really wavered to God's command. He took Mary as his wife. Actually, if you look at here in verse 24, it says here that, the Lord commanded him, he took his wife. That's it. The Lord commanded him, it's immediate obedience, right? Next, uh, number three. Uh, Joseph showed his complete obedience to God by not having any physical union with her to the birth of Jesus. How many say amen to that? Yeah, you know, he was obedient to, to God up to the point that he never touched Mary physically, even though he had the right as a husband to do so. But he chose not to. Why? Because he was completely obeying God. And lastly is this one. Joseph showed his complete obedience to God by naming his child Jesus. Because that was the command. Imagine if I was a disgruntled parent and I knew that this child is not my son. And then, you know, there's something said, oh, you know, name this child one. No, I'm going to name this child two. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's, it, 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 I will be rebellious. <laughs> Look at this. I'm almost done. Let us not be deceived. Look at your neighbor and say, let us not be deceived. Okay. Number one, delayed obedience is disobedience. Okay? Trust in God and obey Him immediately. Always remember, no matter how long we wait, God will never adjust to us. We need to adjust to God. No matter how long you wait, you cannot convince God that He will go your way. Because God is good, God is love. He will keep his way and he will, he's no respecter of man. You know, sometimes the problem with us is, you know, the problem with us is this. We act as if God owes us something. Oh, because I go to church, I pay my tithes. Oh God, you owe me a lot. That's crazy. You know what? God does not owe us anything. We owe everything to God. It's the other way around. If, if, if you have that kind of attitude towards life, knowing and understanding that apart from God and without God, we are nothing, then you will always humble yourself to God. You will find yourself at the, at the feet of Jesus asking for His guidance, for His will to be done upon your, upon your life. 
He does not owe us anything. Amen? Okay, here we go. Number two. Misplaced obedience is disobedience. Number one, what? Number one is what? Delayed obedience is disobedience. Number two, misplaced obedience is disobedience. This is where we choose to obey our own desires instead of what God wants, even though we know for a fact that what we desire is not aligned to God's will. And finally, I like this one. And I'm going to end with this. Do not hide your, your disobedience with so-called sacrifices you are making for the church and for God. You hear what I said? Do not hide your disobedience with so-called sacrifices you are making for the church and for God, thinking that God will turn a blind eye on our disobedience because we are doing missions, giving our tithes, or feeding the poor. All these things are good, but let us never forget, obedience is better than sacrifice. A lot of people today, that's what they do. Oh, I'm in adultery. Oh, nakikipag-adultery sa tao. But God, I'm serving in the church. It's okay. You are turning a blind eye on this. It's okay. I give more money. It's, God does not want your money. God wants your obedience. Amen. And because He wants what's best for you, He is trustworthy because every time that He commands you to do something is for our benefit, not for us. We don't serve an egotistical God. He does not need us. He does not need us. He can live without us. But the reason why He wants us to obey Him is not for His benefit, for us. Because He loves us so much. Amen? So let us make sure that if you are in a position right now, you know, dilly-dallying, you know, I, I learned this uh, couple that committed adultery. And the funny thing is that, you know, when I was talking to them, one of the things that they said to me was this, it's like, you know, trying to counsel. And then I was talking to them and said like, you know what, we even got to the point where, you know what, Oh my gosh. Malapit ne. Dumating. Pero nakalayas kakagad. Naku. Will ni Lord talaga tayong magkasama. Kasi hindi kayo nahuli. Will ni Lord. Ano ba yun? Right? You know what? To me, that's what I call, you know, if, if you are in a situation and you are not yet caught, in a sense, yeah, I think it's God saying to you, you need to really humble yourself and go to God just as you are and say, you know what, before things get worse, before your children runs away from you and hates you for the rest of your life, do the best thing today and obey God. And obey God. Because I'm passionate about obedience. I am. I, I'm not trying to get mad at you. Please look at your neighbor and say, Pastor Boyd is not mad at you. Okay, so I'm not mad at you. I, I'm just passionate in really obeying God. I really want to. Every, every fiber in my being, I really want to obey God. And the reason why is because I know that if I'm in the center of God's will, then I'm in the center of His blessing. Amen? But we cannot obey God if we don't have a personal relationship with Him. It is only... If you try to obey God religiously, then you, you'll just have religion. And it's just a matter of time that you'll break one of the commandments. But if you obey God because you realize how much He loves you and you recognize that He died for your sins 2,000 years ago for our salvation, and you recognize that and understand that, and you fully surrender to Him, I believe with all my heart that you'll obey God not because you have to. you obey God because you want to, because He's born out of love and an intimate relationship with our Savior. Thank you, Jesus. While every head is bowed, every eye is closed just between you and God. You now we're talking about obedience here. And God knows where you are. God understands your situation. God knows that it's hard for you to 
let go of this someone. God knows it's hard for you to obey in certain areas. And I understand that. Believe me, I do understand that. And we can make that excuse time and time again. But yes, you know, you can make that excuse, but please don't expect change. True change can only come when you have that personal relationship with God and as you continue to grow in your relationship with God, as you continue to realize that He's not against you, but He's for you. That continue to realize that His love never fails. That His love is encouraging you to come to Him. The Bible tells us in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This verse tells us that all of us are sinners. None is righteous. I'm no better than you. You're no better than me. At the foot of the cross, all of us are on level ground. In Romans 6.23, the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death, meaning that there's payment for our sin, and that's to be eternally separated from God. But the good news is this, that for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The only thing that you need to do is to put your faith and trust on what Christ has done on the cross. What we cannot do for ourselves he did it for us that we may have eternal life. And the only thing that we need to do is to repent of our sins, turn to God, and ask for His grace to give you the ability to live for Him on a daily basis. We cannot do it on our strength. The only thing that we need to do is just to come to Him just as you are and allow Him to change you to the person that He created you to be. So while every head is bowed, Every eye is closed just between you and God. If you are sick and tired of being sick and tired and your life is not going the way you want it to be and, and you feel in your spirit that there needs to be a change. You see, the, Jesus is, is knocking at the door of your heart. He, he, he wants to have a personal relationship with you. He loves you. He does. Nobody can love you the way God does. Don't ever think that you are such a bad sinner that, that He can never forgive you. you know, let me say this to you. If you think that your sin is as big as the Titanic, God's forgiveness is as big as the ocean. Don't ever think that your sins, God cannot forgive. He will forgive you as you come to Him just as you are. So while every head is bowed, every eye is closed just between you and God, I'm the only one looking. And if you want to give your life to Jesus, and if the Spirit of God is notching at the door of your heart, can you please raise up your hand so I can pray for you? Anybody in this room, just quickly raise up your hand. If you want to give your life to Jesus, I'm the only one looking. Anybody in this room, thank you for that hand. Thank you for that. Thank you for that hand at the back. Anybody, thank you for that hand at the back. Thank you. Anybody else? I believe the Spirit of God is moving in this way. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for that hand right there. Hallelujah. For those people who have lifted up their hands, just pray this prayer with me. In the silence of your heart, God knows. God hears. God understands. Just pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you today just as I am. A sinner needing a Savior. And I ask you today, come into my heart. Be my Lord, my Savior, and my Master. Please forgive me of all my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness and I confess with my mouth that Jesus you are the Lord of my life and believe in my heart 
that God raised you from the dead. And you said in your word, He shall be saved. Give me the grace to live for you. Give me the grace to grow in your love and to grow in your word. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. For those people, lift up your hands. You know who you are. Approach one of the pastors after the service and just acknowledge them. You know, say, you know what? I've given my life to Jesus today. And they'll give you information about what you need to do so that you can, you know, grow in your faith in God, whether to be a part of a uh, small group or a VG group or to be a part of a discipleship class so that you can know more. Please do not hesitate. And if you did not raise up your hand, but you pray that prayer and you know it's the first time that you pray that prayer. Do the same thing. Approach one of the pastors and you know who they are. And may God bless you. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Thank you very much.